Welcome to Out of Game Episode 20. In today's episode, we revisit Asmodee buying everything, discuss reasons to buy or keep games that you'll never play, and conclude our three-part series on the hosts with a special extended edition of Grill Ryan. This is your host, Ryan. Join me, Chris, and Tim as we go out of game. Blacktop rolling! Welcome to episode 20 of Out of Game. This is Ryan. This is Chris. And this is Tim. And 20 episodes in, we are still a podcast about board, board games. games. And occasionally RPGs, because these guys are a little obsessed. A little bit. You guys realize how much you talk about RPGs, right? Only a little. Just it's... need to remind the fans that this is a board game podcast. Well, what about Werewolf? Does that count? It's a card game. It's a card game, yeah. There's no board involved. Well, it's board and card game podcast. Well, why can't it be a board and card game and RPG? Because right, there's paper. It is. We're a podcast. There's board paper. Games, paper, cards, RPGs, you know, same and card games. Yeah. That's true. But we're 90% board games. Yes. So yeah, don't man. turn it off if this is your first time listening. Board games. And, board I, games. and I'll, <laughs> I'll edit these guys out when they talk about it too much. So today, we are doing part three of our series about the hosts. When it's my turn to be in the hot seat... All about Ryan. Oh, We've been yeah. waiting for this. But before we do that, let's jump into the spawn point. Spawn point. Chris, what do you got for us? So we started Pandemic Legacy. Pandemic Legacy. Yeah. That's right. Obviously, it's an ongoing game, so we're not very far into it's it yet. But Spoiler free. Yeah. We won't spoil anything. Yeah. But it's but it's fun. I I had a good time. What did you guys think? I I had a great time. I, I mean, we pretty much thought we were dead. I mean, yeah. was, we were gonna. I mean, we got hammered so hard in the very first like four turns of the game. I thought there's just no way we we're gonna cover. And somehow, actually, the very last turn, if we did not win that turn, we were gonna lose. Right. And somehow we pulled out the win. It was I was quite amazed yeah the Me game too. was beating us down and that last turn we had to really pull together and yeah. do the ultimate move in order to make it work so that, that was cool and, and it helped ryan too because now we get to play february in february yeah otherwise if we had lost we'd be playing yeah, we january again that. in february yeah so so ryan is a little bit <laughs> tiny teeny tiny bit ocd just a little and the game is set up for month by month and right now we match January matches January and so on. If we were, would have lost, it would have thrown off the whole thing. Yeah, so we have to go undefeated. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I mean, we just barely pulled that one out. Yeah, but that's because we weren't controlling Dave's moves for him. We, yeah, what, we have some <laughs> of our cities are in <laughs> crisis, be, though, aren't that they? That could be. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't talk about that too much, though. Yeah. <laughs> is that really bad? I don't, I don't know how much is actually out there on how things work. Well, so, so kind of spoiled, there's so. nothing. We haven't actually opened anything yet that isn't in the rule book. So we, we've we not yet unlocked any of the legacy stuff. Very true. So everything that you guys know is we could probably talk about because it's all in the rule book. And the rule book you can download. Yeah. So really the first game is just like regular pandemic with some very minor changes that you could read the rule book about. And so if you've ever played pandemic before... We basically got hit by every epidemic within the first half of the game. And so we thought for sure we were going to lose. Yeah, I think, we had, we, I think we had three epidemics by turn four or turn five. Yeah, it was, I get the feeling that that isn't unusual, though. I mean, we, there's definitely some bad luck with the way the cards came up. But we almost went through that whole deck. And I think most of the time that's what's going to happen. 
And so you're going to get a lot of those yeah. eventually. We just got hit early with them. We got hit early, was, and it was, was tough. really hard to control. It didn't help either, too, about that I was the dispatcher, yeah. and then I, I had to go first. So I really didn't yeah, use my dispatching true. skills to the utmost of their possibility. And then, of course, my first draw was the epidemic, too. So it was, <laughs> it was, just, first a, it was it just a great went start. downhill from there. Yeah. Right? It was fun though. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was looking forward to continuing. Mm-hmm. I have a plan, by the way. If we ever uh, if we ever get off on the months, Uh-oh. we'll just have to do like a Saturday catch up. Ah, I see. Where we, uh... we play a few games in succession. Otherwise, it might take us two years to finish the whole thing, which was it's kind of long. Yeah, that'd be kind of long. Or we could double up in a game night too. If we ever How many to. sessions is it supposed to go? So, well, if we go undefeated, it will be twelve because it's okay. one per month. But if you, the max is twenty four. Two per month. Gotcha. So we will see. I hear the average is like 17, though. So you got to expect some losses. Yeah. What do you think, Tim? I, that was my thing, too, is the pandemic legacy. I mean, that was, uh, we've been waiting to kick this off. We finally convinced Chris and Dave both to join the uh, bandwagon and try it. <laughs> Chris was the hardest I, sell, actually. I was yeah. on board. Dave wasn't available last month. Well, we when, we, when I first sent the email about it, Chris is like, do I need to be the voice of reason here? This doesn't sound very fun. And then you went into this litany of reasons why you didn't think it sounded fun. Dave was like totally on board from the beginning. You you turned me around though yeah. on your reply to that email. Yeah, I had to I had to convince you. Yeah, you did. And it was still hard to explain. Yeah. It'll I think the longer we play it, the more fun it will become. Right. We start unlocking stuff. Yep, Pandemic Legacy. That was a good time. Um so I had a few things I wanted to discuss. One is if you if you saw on our feed. There is a new uh, series on there that I started called Ryan Reviews. Yeah. So if you want to hear like short reviews of some games that I've played and these guys haven't, that's what that's kind of all about. So there's going to be there's at least one out by the time you're hearing this, probably more than one. <laughs> uh, I have a, I have a, another one recorded and a couple more in the queue. So uh, you'll be seeing those coming out. Uh, let me know what you think about those. Also started a challenge on Board Game Geek, an official 2016 challenge. This is like gauntlet down and everything? Kind of. I don't know what you're talking about. So, so, <laughs> you know, uh, you, you throw the gauntlet down in a challenge. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Wow. I thought you were talking about like the computer game, Gauntlet. I didn't know no. what you were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I, was just, I was always the I was nodding and game. smiling on over the air. Uh, so <laughs> I call, I'm, I'm calling it the Magic Number Challenge. So remember how I said I wasn't going to try to get my magic number lower? Yeah. Well, I I did a complete 180 on that. So on BoardGameGeek, people create these challenges for the year. So last year I did one where it was play 100 games, 100 different games throughout the year. And then there's another one called the 10 by 10 challenge where you play 10 different games 10 times each. So I created a challenge called the magic number challenge. And the goal is to get your magic number to zero in the year 2016. So I'm going for it. And I've, wow. I've got... Um, what was the wagering? There's no where, wagering. Where can I bet? <laughs> <laughs> and I've, there's a lot of people who have joined my challenge, actually. What does that mean if they join it? So other people can join, can try to do the challenge, too. There's a geek... It's called oh, a geek to list. get their own magic Yeah, so everyone's... They post... What, peop, what I've having people do is um, post what their magic number is. And then you kind of record your games as you play them. You go in there and log, and you can put comments or whatever. So, yeah, if you guys want to join the Magic Number Challenge, come over to Board Game Geek. I guess you could – there's a link to it from our guild. So go through our guild, and you'll see a link there. 
Uh, and I'm proud to say that my number is under 30 now. It's 28. What? How did that happen? I played a lot of games since last time, and I deferred one. Wait, defer, wait, deferred one? What does that mean? Deferred are games that I don't have any intention of playing for whatever reason. So, like, I've got a shelf of games that I pretty much bought to play with my children when they're much older. So, like, games like that. There's no okay. chance of me playing them right now, so they're deferred. And I deferred a game. It's like a two-player game I have called Dungeon Twister that I just never play complex two-player games with anyone. And I realized that I'll never play this, so I put it on the deferred shelf for now. So no chance of playing it. That's what deferred means. Okay. Okay. Thirty is pretty that. impressive. Yeah. But I'm still. There's no way you'll get it to zero. Well, I'm gonna try. I have no faith. That would be uh, pretty incredible. If, if I did. go at the same rate that I went for January, I will succeed. It's not gonna happen. Four game. I got Never. four games knocked up. <laughs> nice. It's gonna. It'll probably be over thirty. Let's make a nice bet. Time. Should we make a bet? Let's Let's do it. Oh, I want to see it. What should we bet? What's going on? Thousand dollars. No, not money. I'm not gonna bet money. <laughs> It's like Kramer. We were just talking about that. One thousand, two thousand. Yeah. Here, 2, let's make an ironic one. If I get it to zero, you guys have to pitch in and buy me a game. Ooh, oh. all right. Yeah. Well, I don't want to include Tim if he doesn't want to be, but I'll take that bet. All right. And then what? And then if I, and the off chance that I win, <laughs> um, you have to buy me a game of my choice. Of your choice? Well, but, That's, okay. Or you can you can choose. I guess I trust your judgment. But yeah, we'll do that. So I have to increase. We have to increase each other's magic numbers. That's going to motivate you more. I know. To get your magic number That's, down. I still don't think it's pretty happen. ironic, actually. That's, all you have to do is find some people who have games that they don't want that Ryan has never played and just give it to them, and then his magic number is just going to go up. So Tim, you're like the you're kind of the third wheel here. Are the like yeah. wh- whose side are you on? Who do you think is going to win? Considering the state of affairs uh, last year. Um, leaning towards Chris here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any. Ch- I don't even think you'll make single digits. You know, some some stuff coming up. I don't, you, know, you know, you could exploit my game. weakness. If you if you told me to get my magic number down, it would I would be naturally resistant to it. I would almost be willing. We'll have to talk about this in the next podcast. We could make another bet on single digits because I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you don't think I can make single digits? <laughs> no, because you'll definitely. You're very good at playing new games and cranking down the number in that sense but you're buying them at a much faster rate yeah and i don't i haven't looked yet to see what's expected in 2016 but i'm assuming there's some games you're excited about yeah yeah so yeah this there is you a go. problem some yeah. things coming up yeah there's guaranteed yeah that number it's is like going to go up you're bailing water from a rowboat plus it's going down plus we're be we're, you know we're we're dedicated to the pandemic legacy at game night for mm, several yeah. sessions not a lot of new stuff can be happening there yeah, but Chris's resolution is to play new games. It's true. So here's my plan, by the way, just so you guys know. My plan with you guys is to play games with you that I've played at least once so that I know how to play you know the rules. Because you guys are harder. It's harder to teach games at our Wednesday group than it is my other group. There's a lot, uh, really? a lot higher tolerance of learning new rules in my Saturday group. So... So teaching games in, the win- in our Wednesday group, I'm going to teach you games that I've already played and I know that I like. And then I'll be bringing them for second plays. Okay. So that's the plan. Nice. I've got a couple in mind. So, Tim, I, I hear you might have something to add to the spawn point. I, I kind of <laughs> forgot about it because it happened like two months ago. But I played a ton of Flick'em Up at yeah. Christmas. Okay. Brought that over Christmas Day, busted it out. 
nieces and nephews, and my daughter went crazy. Okay. They probably played seven or eight games of Flick'em Up. Awesome. So they That's had a great time. Yeah, they, they, they loved it. They loved it. Okay. So highly recommend Flick'em Up. Uh, it, was, it was actually really fun. My daughter, she's only five and a half, and she was actually able, you know, she got the, you know, five or six Flick'em rules opposed to the two. But she still did very well. So, and she had a blast. She keeps asking to play it. Huh? Well, about a year and a half, and Evan will probably be ready for that one. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's a really fun game. The only problem with it is it takes a while to set up. No, we just we didn't uh, we didn't like keep changing scenarios. We just kind of kept doing the shoot 'em up. My my nephew just wanted to like shoot everybody down. So. Okay. He had this talent too for somehow like launching the discs three feet above the table. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing, but he would flick them and they would just go into the next room. So that was a that was like a hot release at Gen Con last year, and I actually have some Gen Con releases. Speaking of games, I'm excited about. Uh oh. That are that I've heard are coming out this year. Uh, one of them is a standalone expansion for Dead of Winter. So then, as far as the magic number, even though it's an expansion, it no, counts, it wouldn't count. Why wouldn't it? Because it's but it's standalone. It's Dead of Winter. I, I won't count that because I know how to play Dead of Winter. It'd be like Daybreak was a standalone expansion for One Night Werewolf, but I wouldn't count that as a I would as a separate game. It's, a, it's its own game, though. No, nah, doesn't count. I make the rules here for the magic uh, number. See, there's one way he's going to make it. <laughs> yeah, he's still not going to. You realize, even with the twisted rules, if I'm not going to get it at the end, I could just defer all my games. Just defer twenty. No, you of them. won't do that. I know. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Is that interesting to you? It's called the yeah, Long Night. I would. I would try it. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming they're introducing something that makes it unique enough to. Yeah, I don't know. There's pretty much no details at this point as of our recording. But, you know, I'm interested. I'm assuming it can be combined. It's called a standalone expansion, so it either plays by itself or it can be combined with the base game. But, yeah, I'd try it. Yeah, I think it'll be cool. I'm hoping there's going to be maybe more locations, new characters, and stuff like that. Another one is the the creator of the Legacy system. So Risk Legacy was the first Legacy game. So Rob Davio, this is a guy who used to work for Hasbro, actually. And he kind of split from Hasbro and joined the hobby game industry. So he he co-designed Risk Legacy and, and created a Legacy system. He is a co-designer of Pandemic Legacy with Matt Leacock, the designer of Pandemic. So he's been working on a game called Seafall for about two years, which is his own legacy game where he designed the game and the whole legacy system. And this has been like a very highly anticipated game for the past couple of years because it's been it was announced a really long time ago. And it was just he just announced that he gave it to the publisher, which is Plat Hat, same publisher that did Dead of Winter. Uh, and it's gonna be in released at Gen Con. Nice. So I kinda wanna rip through Pandemic Legacy. If we like it uh, and prep for then then if we like it we can try maybe try Seafall if mm-hmm. we if we like the whole legacy yeah. experience. We shall see. Last thing I want to talk about in the spawn point is a little update on Asmodee. Uh-oh. So, if you recall, if you've listened to our podcast from the beginning, we had a discussion in the past about how Asmodee bought Days of Wonder, and then they bought Fantasy Flight Games. Remember that? And then we were talking about how werewolves yep. bought out vampires. <laughs> Zombies bought out werewolves. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, a lot has happened since then. Uh, so, I wanted to bring you guys up to speed on some, some of the more recent news with Asmodee. So one is the I'll go I'll start with the smallest one, which was they purchased the worldwide distribution rights for the game Spot It. Have you heard of the game Spot It? No. It's actually no. so it's it's a blue orange game. It's more of a children's game, but it it's one of those games that's kind of in between mass market and hobby games, and it 
sells a ton every year. So it was like the best seller for this company, Blue Orange Games, and they got the rights for it. They bought it from Blue Orange. So they did that. Second thing they did is they Fantasy Flight bought the rights for Legend of the Five Rings. Do you remember Legend of the Five yeah. Rings? The old, yeah. I think it was a, like an old CCG. Yep. Yeah, it was. And so AEG was the company that produced that game. And that was, I think, how they got started. And they sold the rights to Fantasy Flight, who's basically owned by Asmodee. So they bought that up. But the biggest news is they, they purchased the worldwide distribution rights for Catan. Sellers of Catan. I mean Catan? Yeah. One of the, one of the best-selling games in the world, period. Asmodee North America bought. So they Mayfair Games no longer has Catan. Wow. Wow. What is Asmodee planning on doing with that? I don't know. But they, they not only bought Catan, the rights for worldwide distribution, but they took the CEO of Mayfair with it and a couple of other of like their higher-up employees, and they formed a new, new design studio called Catan Design Studios, that's just going to be focused on Catan. And the CEO of that is the former CEO of Mayfair. Hmm. So they kind of bought out Mayfair without buying Mayfair. Pretty much. But Mayfair, I mean, Mayfair was, they had it up for sale from my understanding. Huh. So there were multiple bidders and Asmodee got it. So these, I mean, they're, they basically. Where's Asmodee getting this money? They're, I mean, at this point, they have like the Axe top. Wing. <laughs> yeah, they have like the top four or five best-selling games in the hobby industry now under their under their title under their blanket. They have a blanket. They also took over distribution for Queen Games, which is a pretty big publisher that was. They they used to be only released games in Europe, and someone else had distribution in the U.S. And Queen took it over, and now Asmodee took that over too. So they're like taking over everything. Wow. If you think about the Gen Con exhibitor hall the biggest booths there were fantasy flight in mayfair and only mayfair because of Catan. and now asmodee has owns both of those and not to mention days of wonder which has ticket to ride in small world which are like two of the best two of the other best-selling games so it's kind of crazy now i don't know what the monopoly laws are i don't know if they apply to the board game industry but i don't know if we're even close to that i feel like it's getting there well, it depends on what they're doing with that power. I mean, if you can go to another distribution and create a game, then there's no monopoly. Okay. But it's interesting, though, that they're doing this. And they wouldn't do it if it wasn't going to net them more money. Yeah. I mean, because money is driving it. So speaking of what can they do with their power, they had a press release recently. Uh, this was actually about a couple of months ago, but we haven't talked about it yet. They announced a lot of changes they were making to their distribution methods. And this is where this is what makes me start wondering about, <laughs> about the Monopoly thing. So first of all, they just decided that they're only going to use like the top five distributors in the U.S. So whatever. I don't know much about distributors. Uh, second thing, though, is they're restricting local game stores from selling their games online. So they're saying, you guys can't sell our games online. You can only sell them local. Now, I guess kind of in return for that, they're selling games to local retailers, so brick-and-mortar stores, for cheaper Okay, so brick and mortar stores will get the games cheaper, but then they're also they're giving they're selling the games for more to online only retailers. That's my understanding. So the bottom line is that we as consumers are going to be f- kind of forced to pay higher prices for all their games, no matter where we purchase them. But it sounds like it'll be cheaper at the store. No, because the reason they're doing that is so the store has higher profit margins. So the stores will continue to sell at full price. 
but they'll make more profit on the games. And they're they're touting it as a way to strengthen local retailers on brick and mortar retailers. Hmm. Interesting. So all of this is supposedly going into effect April 1st of this year, which makes it sound like a giant April Fool's joke. <laughs> there is that. They, they could have done something better than that. <laughs> yeah. If that was a joke. So I'm curious what you guys think about all those changes from Asmodee. Well, I mean, news. they can do what they want. I'm kind of a free market guy. If that's what they want to do, then they can do it. And people can protest by not buying it if it's too expensive. For me, if there was a game I wanted to buy, I'm going to buy it. I don't really care. Yeah. So I know one of you guys, I can't remember who brought this up, wished that the online games, that there was a, a lower price at the stores yeah. versus online so that you could see it, it drew you into the store because you wanted to see the games and then buy the games. You didn't want to see them there and then go back and buy them online. Right. So this might solve that problem if they're giving them cheaper. Yeah, they might have been able to use it for their profit margins, but they could also undercut the online sales. And that might be good for people who like to go to the brick and mortar store. Yeah. So there's a big gray area here, which is Cool Stuff Inc., which is probably the number one online retailer, also has a brick and mortar store. So there's some question as to whether they'll be able to even sell the games online anymore because they're, quote unquote, a brick and mortar store. And I think that's the thing that's worrying a lot of people because I feel like, although I've heard otherwise, I still feel like most people are buying their games online. Yeah. Now, Tom Vassell, who knows a lot more about this, claims that a majority of board game sales come from brick and mortar stores. I have a hard time believing that, but maybe that's just me and my circle of friends. Uh, but it's always easier. For me, it's easier online. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just it's too convenient. Just have them ship it to your house. You order from your, yeah. you know, your desk. Yeah. But, you know, some people like to go and see the games and then buy them. I don't know. I think a lot of people are still buying them in the stores. Otherwise, the stores wouldn't be there. So, Tom, he's probably right in that sense just because the store – you see a lot of a lot of places we've been familiar with disappearing. I mean, like, I don't know about Ryan, but, like, Tim and I probably remember going to, like, music stores and oh, buying yeah, music. Yeah. They're gone. Oh, yeah, they're history. Even, like, Circuit City used to be – they're gone. Even Best Buys are closing because people buy a lot of this electronics this stuff online. It's just easier. It's If you know what you want, it's easier. Yeah. So Yeah, I guess we'll know in, in April – what it all boils down to for the consumer. Hopefully a big April Fool's joke. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Maybe they did that on purpose so they could be like, oh, we were just kidding in case it bombed. But does anybody, <laughs> is it, are people paying attention to that? Oh, yeah. People are freaking out. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that has, yeah, that has a lot of ramifications for. So I'll say this now. So uh, those of you who listened to the, the Board Game Geek live show where I, where I went on there, and then Tom asked me if I wanted to do a segment on Board Game Breakfast. So I actually sent him a video, and it was a it was basically me ripping on Asmodee for this announcement they made, and it got rejected. Oh, he said, and, and the reason was because that episode he was actually spending a good amount of time defending Asmodee for this announcement, so it would have clashed with that. Mm. If like right after that, I'm like ripping on him, it actually would have made me look stupid, probably. So I have this like my first video ever for that, and I, it's like lost <laughs> in the ether. <laughs> so. Maybe I'll post it one day on our own channel. Yeah. On April 1st, when people realize I'm right, then I'll post mm, it. Interesting. Maybe Tom will let me air it then. Okay. That's all I have for the spawn point. Moving on. Moving on to a listener question. Listener question. Dennis Hoyle, he is the guy who has sent us more questions than anyone else. So I decided to, that we would, 
feature his questions for the next couple episodes. Interesting. So, Dennis, this is for you. By the way, Dennis is a designer of the games Antidote and Swamped, which you can purchase online. Actually, Swamped was a Kickstarter. I don't think it's shipped yet, but this year it'll be shipping. You should be able to get it. Uh, look him up. It's Bellwether Games. Anyways, question one from Dennis Hoyle. Even if you never play them again, what are some games that will forever be part of your game collection? So I think Tim and I need to answer this pretty quickly because Ryan's is going to take half the podcast. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> I don't know. For me, it would be it would be the crossover games, like games you could play in mixed company, like with a, with a, the less intense crowd, you know, like the party games, the family games. Those are the type of games I might not... I might be thinking, I don't know if I'm ever going to play this again, but I'm going to hold on to it anyway because I, at the spur of a moment, I could whip it out. Like Resistance is a good example. You know, uh, who knows if I'll we'll ever play that again. There's expand, there's newer versions of that, uh, but I'm still going to hold on to it. It's simple, and you can play with pretty much anybody. So I would say games like that would be um, on my list, but that's pretty much it. What about you, Tim? For me, yeah, it's Magic, actually. I haven't played Magic the Gathering in a while, yeah. but it's one of those things that I can't see parting with the cards, thinking maybe someday I might play it with my son or daughter or something. And then, of course, we've got the Lord of the Rings game that we played. Yeah, that's, which a, that's a good one. I still have those cards sitting around. And then, actually, me and my brother and a bunch of other friends played the original Lord of the Rings game. Yeah, I still so have got So I've got card box after that. card box after card box of cards, and I just... I can't part with them, but I don't see myself ever playing that first Lord of the Rings game again. The second one, possibly, and Magic, Magic's probably the highest of the three that could get played again. So Yeah, you know, now that you mention it, I have Wheel of Time, the, the card game. Yes. And I maybe it's a pack rat problem. Because I, I'm never going to play that. Yeah, but I think it's you know you you have so many games and stuff that you remember. And it's it's kind of like yeah. yeah, you know what? Maybe someday. But I think Dennis's question might be tapping into the inner pack rat. It could <laughs> like be. if you know you're not going to play the game again, or you're still holding on to it. And now that I'm thinking about it, I've got quite a few of those, those yeah. CCGs. I've even got the old Star Wars Decipher CCG that uh, I have not played, and well, of course they don't make it anymore. So right. someone else has bought the license three times over since then. So, but uh, they're still sitting there in my card boxes. All right. Well, you know the interesting thing is let's let's hear Ryan. Oh yeah, let's see, let's hear let's get the whole list here. Well. I have to comment on magic because here's my thought on magic. Cause I had that same thought about, well, I maybe I'll play it again, but I think the thing that's appealing about magic to you guys that isn't appealing to me is deck building. I'm so bad at building decks that if I were to play magic again, I would just buy pre-constructed decks or the, the dual decks. So I have, I'm probably going to get rid of all my magic cards and the other reason is there are board games out now that are standalone game. Well, I guess they're card games, but they're standalone games where they give you, they have a similar feel to magic, but they give you like 10 pre-constructed decks. And then you just play those decks against each other and they have expansions. So I don't know. That's half the fun of the game is building yeah. a deck, coming yeah. up with concept, constructing it, getting it to work. You yeah, know, I don't want to part with my cards for that reason. I mean, you, it's, you that's the half the fun there yeah in fairness to ryan though he doesn't like it he doesn't like that aspect but you could always come back to booster drafting or right. sealed decks. but i don't you know, i don't need my cards for that right exactly and the other problem with the cards is they look ugly on my game shelf they look <laughs> ugly yeah i've got all these beautiful board game boxes and then these like ugly white card boxes yeah. spruce them up 
Well, I mean, why don't they release nice looking boxes for their cards? They, if if they I was have. Wizards of the Coast, every year I would release. They do release these. They call them like holiday gift boxes, but they're not. I want a box that's like a board game size box that has slots in it for all the cards, and it will stand sideways on my shelf and say magic on the side. See, the problem is you're, <laughs> what you're presuming there then is that you've only bought a booster box worth of cards, and most people buy way more than that. Let's just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Wizards of the Coast, if you're listening, there's a market here. Because I would keep my cards if I had a nice box to put them in. Take some of the cards and tape them to the white box. Then you'll have magic cards instead of a white box. You know, the, the closest thing they have are those little boxes that come in the fat packs. But now even those are like $10 a piece. So I'd have to buy like 50 of them to box all my cards. Clear acrylic. Go with that. No, that's ugly. It has to have a nice artwork on the side. Put cards in there. facing out. No, that would be horrible. It has to look like a board game. I want Wizards to release a board game box for my magic cards. You just have to let it go. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, it's just going nowhere. <laughs> okay. Well, here's my, I have three games that I will probably never play again. I might play them again. Maybe. <laughs> that I, but I don't think I'd ever get rid of them. The first one, surprisingly, is Monopoly. So now that I've played... You would play that again. I think that's worse than Risk. <laughs> no, Monopoly is a classic. Play with yeah, your so family. is Risk. Yeah, right. So they're both good. <laughs> Anyways, is this like regular Monopoly or is this Monopoly. like Star Wars Monopoly? No, regular or Monopoly. Just regular car, I have app, a, dog I, Monopoly. I actually have a. Um, it's like a classic version. So I bought a. <laughs> speaking of my game shelves, I was annoyed at how the boxes looked on my shelf for Monopoly and ri- all the old mass market games because they stick out. Because the big rectangle, yeah. Yeah, so I found square box, like wooden boxes of, I have Monopoly, Risk, Scrabble, and some other one. I can't remember what it is. You got the small They're all box. mass market games, and they're in these nice wood boxes, so they're all together on my shelf, so they look nice. I think I've talked about this before. Yeah. And, they're, and not only that, but they're like the classic editions of the game. Oh, Clue was the other one. So it's like the game... As it w- all, as the components were in like the 30s or 40s, whenever it was released, it's kind of interesting. But I don't know if I'll ever play Monopoly again because it's a horrible game. <laughs> it's not a horrible game. Yes, it is. It's one of the most classic games it takes in history. For- it's ever classic, but it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> roll and move is bad. That's the same reason Clue is bad. If Clue didn't have roll and move, it'd be much better. Actually, out of all those four games, I would probably play Clue again, even though it has roll and move. Remember in Clue how frustrating it was to yeah, try to no, get to a right. room? No, you're right. They need to make it a hex map. Yeah. And even worse was Trivial Pursuit, where you had to like yeah. land on a, a specific yeah. square. Yeah, but you get rewarded the for answering the question right. Remember how painful it was in Monopoly when you're what you're waiting, waiting, waiting for someone to go all the way around the board, and then, oh, they go to jail. And then they get out, and then they're almost to your property, and then, oh, they skip over you. And it's like you're just sitting there waiting for the game to end, because as soon as they land on your Monopoly, they lose. But you have to wait... Like an hour for that to happen because of the rolls. So it's a horrible game. You cannot tell me that's a good game. Oh, my God. But the way you're venting about this, the random aspect of that is something I've said a billion times with other games. So Chris agrees with me. Monopoly is a horrible game. That aspect of gaming is annoying, but it exists in a lot of the games we play today. Hmm. Maybe we should well, talk about that need, in a future episode. You need to have. I asked you if you wanted to, and you said you didn't. I want to compare Monopoly to current games. Chris has, a, Chris has a comparison Well, there. I'm just saying that the thing you don't like about Monopoly exists today. Waiting two hours for someone to no, land in their space. The, the fact that you're waiting for something you have no control over to happen Interesting. in order to win. 
I've never looked at what you said about randomness in that way. So we do need to revisit mm-hmm. this topic. So Monopoly. The second one is Munchkin. So you're done with Munchkin. You're done with Munchkin. So Jess has actually expressed interest in playing this, and I've never. I don't own any of the Munchkin sets and stuff, and I was always wanting to get it because she was like actually. She would probably interest. like it. She would. So out of the three I have on my list, this is the one I'll, I'm most likely to play again because I do have people who are still interested in it. But overall, m- most people aren't interested in Munchkin. Yeah. It actually gets a lot of flack. Is that the right word? Flack. Yes, flack. It gets a lot of flack. L I K. Flack. Yeah, I not, still not I still like it, but there's some conditions for playing it. Like I'll never play with more than four people because that's what extends the game. But Munchkin, you know, it's not going to get a lot of play. And then last is Axis and Allies, and that's just game length. I mean, people got to get over this game length thing. Some games are good because of the length. But Axis and Allies, it's like you know who's going to win, and then you have to play it out for eleven hours. The original Axis and Allies. If it's that bad, then yeah, why are you even playing the game? Well, I mean, it should be. Fun. It should be cool. How is it fun if you know this guy's going to win? Because you you feel like there's a chance. Well, if you as long as there's that chance, you think there's that chance. <laughs> yeah, even though there really isn't one, it's the only way you could come back is if someone had like ridiculously bad rolls, like someone who was beating you and then they just rolled really poorly. You could come back. You know my buddy Jay. Yeah. King of the bad roll. You should play with him. Yeah, well, I'm king of the oh bad roll. Oh, my gosh. Be- I don't think he's met Ryan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought my rolling was bad until I met Ryan. Yeah. So that'd be interesting. Like, if I played against someone else that was horrible at rolling, would that make the game longer or shorter? It would probably make it longer because when you thought you were going to lose, you actually wouldn't and it'd prolong it. You'd both be trying to You'd lose. You'd both be trying to lose and it just wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So those are my, my my three. Next question. Question two from Dennis. Are there any games you would buy knowing you will probably never play it? Yeah, so I'm mostly interested to know what you guys think because I don't, I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I need to know I'm going to play the game in order to buy it. And the question is interesting to me, just that it is being asked implies that people may go out and buy a game knowing they're not going to play the game. That's like buying a ticket to a movie and then not seeing the movie. So, no, is my answer. Yeah, I mean, I kind of have one because, you know, with the new upcoming release of Blood Bowl, yeah, I would probably buy it to have the, the dice and the cards and stuff, but I don't think it's something that our group will ever do. So I don't know if I would ever actually get the opportunity to play it. Hmm. But I would probably buy it to sit on it in hopes that maybe when my son and daughter are older, be able to play with them. But So that'd be a deferred game. Yeah, I don't be, think deferred but counts. It might be a big deferred because they might just be like, uh, yeah, bloods, uh, you know, orcs and humans playing football. Yeah, no interest. Well, I'll tell you what, Tim. Since you guys are going to be making an effort to get my magic number down for me, I would be willing to play Blood Bowl with you just so you could play it. Well, I got Chris J. Chris okay. J is all in for is it. Is it only a two-player game? It's a two-player game, yeah. It's So you guys could do that on a Wednesday night sometime. Uh, you know, you just... But it's, it's funner to play a league. So uh, you have player improvement and you it's kind of like the pandemic legacy you play multiple games so you just reminded me uh, i have a friend adam one of our listeners and he is starting a blood bowl league and trying to find people and i thought i sent you a message about yeah, but this. Isn't this like online i don't know blood bowl or something like that you it know i've be. i've got so many activities right now with x-wing and this and hockey. alvaron and hockey and uh you know our board game night that i think i would end up divorced if i added another one <laughs> Either that or you just would never be home. Yeah, that too. Which would mean I'd be divorced. Not so the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So the answer to the question for me is no. 
I do. I would not buy games that I didn't think I would play. Every game that I have on my shelf, I have anticipation of playing again, with the exception of the of those mass market games that I bought. Most I bought those just to kind of have to for nostalgia. Look better, yeah. It was an interesting. So the game like, shape went from it's the opposite of the way TVs. The shape of the TV <laughs> was square, then it went to the rectangle. Game boards are going the opposite yeah. direction. Do you remember, like, there was a time when I would buy, like, VHS movies, and I would specifically get annoyed with the ones that were widescreen format. Yeah. I would look for the ones that were right. square format. Oh, my God, match. I did the opposite. That, and that all changed. Well, that, we, did, we did that because our TVs were square. Yeah, I didn't like the black lines right. on the top and bottom. At least that was my reason. Well, right. now, now what's up with this, though? I've got a rectangular TV... And I've got a widescreen movie, and I still got the black on top and bottom. What is that? Your TV's on the right format. That's just messed up is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I've seen that, too, yeah. and that bothers me. Yeah. I'm like, that's a, the, the TV's rectangular. What's going on? Yeah. So with any, anyways, with the focus on my magic number that I've had, I've had some laser focus this last year and a half. Allegedly. <laughs> and I would not buy. Uh, now, I'm thinking that there might be people who might buy games like collector versions of games, maybe that would be one one scenario. You buy like a collector's version of a game I just to like that. show it off, but not play it. Like there's a really nice version of War of the Ring that came out last year. It was ridiculous, and I would actually be scared to play because it was like a five hundred dollar game. I'd probably buy the regular one and play that just for fear of someone. Game, yeah, they're like gold, like gold bricks in there. Yeah, I was gonna say, they're what? all like really nice, giant painted miniatures and. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it really justified the price, but that might be one scenario. So thank you, Dennis, for the questions. We have more from Dennis coming up in future episodes. Cool. You know what it's time for? Uh oh. Make it till we make it. Make it till we make it. To be a great champion, you must believe you are the best. If you're not, pretend you are. Fake it till we make it. So again, I did not send in responses to some Dice Tower questions. So we're going to answer them on the show. Let's do it. Question number one. What is the best game from 2011? Parentheses. Five years ago. Parentheses. Question mark. <laughs> so for me, I have King of Tokyo. Ah. My list. Did I steal yep. your thunder? That's, that's mine too. Yeah. The ham sandwich of board game? The ham sandwich of board game is the best game of 2011. So I was thinking a lot about this game. We haven't played it in a while. Yeah, it's one of those that just kind of it gets glossed over a lot. It does. It does get glossed over. But there's there's a certain elegance to its simplicity. And of all the games in 2011, I've got that as my number one. So what what are some aspects of King of Tokyo that make it the best game? It's quick. Yeah. It's fast. If you're playing in a large group and you know you finish your game and the other table's still going, King of Tokyo is perfect for a filler. Uh, because you get the game, it ramps up quickly and it moves along. There's not a lot of pausing, thinking about what your strategy is going to be on your turn. Right. It's it's very fast. That's probably my favorite thing about it. Yeah. Yeah, and just the variability of the cards too. So you know, every game is going to be kind of different. You know, the monster you play is nothing except pictorial in the base game, at least. Uh, and so it's whatever upgrade cards you get during the game can kind of change dynamics with the way the game works and stuff. But yeah, it's it's a quick play, great filler. Yeah. So I actually had I I had, I had trouble with this game because I didn't know how to define best because I I look at best in two different ways I have categories so oh. I, so I had two games okay so I had King of Tokyo uh, as 
it's the most adaptable game. If you're defining best for like how many different situations can you bring this game out, that game beats almost every game in my collection because gamers have fun playing it. It's easy enough that you could teach it to kids, you know, probably maybe eight years and older. And it's a great, it's a great family game. You can pretty much play it with almost any group. And I think that adaptability of the game, it's why it's the ham sandwich of board games. Right. You can, you can, in any situation, you can play it. What's your other game? So my other game is Aura and Labora, which is a Uwe Rosenberg game, designer of Agricola and Caverna. Ooh, Chris's okay. two favorites. Yeah. Well, I haven't played. I'm sure you haven't played. We'll Agricola. talk about Agricola. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is a. It's actually a really fun game that I would like to play with you guys. It used to be in my top ten, but I haven't played it in so long that I it got bumped out. But as far as like the best designed game, I think that I've played from 2011. It's Oren Labora. Okay. So that that's really I think the intent of the question. Probably. I don't know though. Because this is from a gamer. Like, if you ask someone who wasn't a hobby gamer, they have a completely different answer. Yeah, but King of Tokyo isn't, I think, what they're looking for from you in that question. <laughs> they're looking from that from Tim and I. You know, if the, the way if you described you... that second game is the level of passion that you had for the game and the amount of joy that the <laughs> yeah. game brings you. I think that's what they're going for. Probably, probably. But if you want a game that you can play in any situation, I would definitely choose King of Tokyo over right. Oren Labora. Oren Labora is for people who like heavy Euro games. Right. Question number two. What is the best game from AEG, also known as Alderac Entertainment Group? So from this, this is an interesting category. I'd probably say Love Letter. But, yeah. Steal your mostly, mostly because... I had to fake it because that's really the only one I recognized. Him playing, so. I recognized another game on this list. Okay. Which is surprising. It is surprising. I've actually played the game uh, 7C, the CCG. Okay. Which was like in the thousands on the rank. But this is a game that's not very good. I don't think it's in print anymore, but I tried it. Uh, it was Greg and I went out and bought a bunch of oh, okay. of cards. It's a pirate-based game where you take your ships and you shoot cannons at each other. That sounds cool. Um, it does, but it, the CCG element wasn't – it just it was kind of flat. The theme was nice, but the game mechanic wasn't very good. But I was interested to see that on there. I had forgotten all about that game. But, yeah, Love Letter, you know, it's not the best game of all time. But I think that year I would rank that number one in the list that I saw. It's kind and of the same as the King of Tokyo. Quick. Yeah. You know, you can play several games in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and just to clarify what we Tim and I had said with the last question, we haven't played a lot of games on those lists. So yeah. these are like winning by default for us a little bit. Well, I thought, have you guys ever played L5R? Because that's actually an AEG game. I didn't know no, if you've played it before. No. I no, thought there's I a chance. It, but I've never played it. Right. And there was a Smash Up is another one I thought maybe you had played, Tim, and your other game. Uh, yeah. That one, so... Smash Up's actually pretty fun. And actually, I would even go as far to say if you wanted something Munchkin-esque, but probably a little bit better of a game, Smash Up would be a good game. It's Smash Up is, they have all these different factions. Like, they're, they're all kinds of crazy stuff. You could have, like, princesses and dwarves, and then you take the two decks and you smash them together, shuffle them, and that's your deck mm-hmm. for the game. And then you're, you're trying to, like, take over these bases and stuff. It's a fun card game. So I actually chose the game, a game called Lost Legacy. So this is a micro game from the same designer as Love Letter, but I like it a little better than Love Letter, which I don't think most people would agree with me, or maybe a lot of people haven't played this game, but it's a little more advanced than Love Letter. Love Letter, you're just kind of trying to guess what other people have mostly, and then 
at the end of the, at the end you want to have the highest card right well in lost legacy there's a there's a specific card in the deck and you're trying to find it so one of the cards in out of the 18 or 19 or, or however many there are they could either be in another player's hand or they could be in this thing called the ruins in the middle so the cards let you do things like look at other people's hands or look in the middle but then you know the cards are constantly changing so you're trying to like keep track and use deduction as to where this this special card is the lost legacy card and then at the end whatever card you're holding you go in that order because they have numbers like in love letter and you get to you get to basically make a guess where the lost legacy is so i can't remember if it's the higher or the low i think it's you start with the lowest number card and you work your way up and you get to try to find it it's like old maid no because you you have more information than old maid. <laughs> It's kind of when you just described old maid. I played that game. <laughs> they should make an old maid variant. Oh, that's pretty funny. It's like advanced old maid. <laughs> okay, <laughs> advanced old maid. Uh, so if you haven't tried this game, I, I would go, I recommend go out and try it. If you like Love Letter and you want something a little more advanced, the other thing I found is if you play, if you happen to be someone like me who plays Love Letter with two people. It's not really great with two, but I have played it a lot with Esther as a two-player game. Lost Legacy, if you have the Starship and the Flying Garden, there's a certain combination of the cards that works really well for two players. Way better than than Love Letter. And if you ping me on the forums, I will share my list with you guys if you want to try it out. So Lost Legacy would be my choice. Cool. All right, enough of that. Now we're getting to the good I'm stuff. I'm ready to for the pain, the heat. Oh, well, the grill in. We're going to bring it. It's like it's like a extended Grill Ryan segment coming yes, up it is. in our table talk. Table talk. I'm Eric Summerer, and you're listening to Out of Game, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Yeah, it just got real. Find this and other great podcasts at dicetowernetwork.com. Yeah! All right, so table talk. I've dealt out the pain. It's time to receive it. Chris and Tim have some questions for me. I have no idea what they are. Yeah, so just to, to recap, one of the reasons we're doing this is to learn to, you know, for anybody who's new to the show, to learn a little bit about the three of us. We did Tim first, then we did me last week or last month, and then now we're doing Ryan. So just a few words about Ryan before I get to the question. <laughs> oh, great. So anybody who's listened to the show knows that Ryan is textbook OCD. Literally, he is the living, breathing example of OCD. He also founded the podcast and, you know, Tim will agree with me on this through his work and manipulation of social media and all his other powers. He's responsible for where the show is today. Almost definitely. Yeah. You know, he's one of those guys that if he puts his mind to it, whatever that it is, it's going to happen. Yeah. In some way, the earth will move so it would happen, even to the point of, you know, jumping out of your pay grade to meet Esther. So the reason I'm setting all this up is because I want to give you the chance to answer the question, what do you want our listeners to know about you that they don't already know? Like maybe something interesting, something that hasn't been covered with the podcast or something that, you know, I haven't hit on with those bullet points. Okay. Because you are, the, you are the meat and potatoes of the show. So I think they're interested in this. Well, the answer is a little, maybe a little more serious than you might be expecting. But something that you might not know about me is that, that I am a devout Christian. So a big part of my life is Christianity, is my faith. Uh, so I'm very interested in, for example, if you've listened to the Dice Steeple podcast, which is 
an interesting podcast about board games and Christianity where they, uh, Dan King, my one of my favorite reviewers, and Sam Healy, who are both Christians, they interview members of the board game industry, some who are Christian and some who aren't, and they, they kind of put a Christian spin on it. You know, they're not trying to <laughs> grab people on the street and convert them or anything like that, but it's it's pretty interesting. And so I like to try to use my faith and board gaming together as well. For example, my Saturday game group, most of the people in that group are actually friends of mine from church. And so we we do invite people to the game group with one intention of that is, you know, we're not bringing them there like a bait and switch or anything like that, but we just want to show them that, you know, Christians can have fun. This is how we have fun. It's a very clean environment. We're very respectful. So we kind of, in a way, use that as a ministry, even though it's not an official ministry, we kind of do it in that way. So something that we've talked about, like the core members of the group. So that would be something that I've not shared a lot about on the podcast before, but something that's really important to me. Good answer. All right. <laughs> on to the good All stuff. right. So <laughs> what is the most annoying play style for you, for like another player? So I've got some options here for you. All right. This is multiple choice. It's multiple easy. choice. So a player that takes way too long to take his turn. Okay. Yes. A player that tries to convince you how to take your turn, or a player that's like always jumbling up the board. They, you know, they go reach their card and they spill the whole deck over, or they turn this piece sideways and they do this. So the, the board is always a cluster. It's never organized nicely like you'd like it. I know what Ryan's answer is going to be. Can I answer for him and then he can tell me if I'm right? Go for it. It's B. So C is a close second. All right. So here's my reasoning. The, the least. These are all bad. Yeah, I know they are. All right. Long turns, I can deal with long turns because I sometimes am that person. And so I understand what they're going through. For me, if I'm taking long turns because I'm a little slower on the uptake, figuring out the strategy sometimes, so I'm struggling with what to do. So I have have some empathy for long-term people, although I try not to do it. Uh, In in fact, if if I do find myself doing it sometimes, I'll just make a move just to get it over with. Thank you. (laughs) So... That's the least. Fiddling with the board is something that's fixable. In other words, if someone was doing that, I would just fix it. Yeah, but it's constant. It just, yeah, but it I would just stop. I would constantly fix it. It would okay. annoy me, but I, there's a remedy. Like I could I could readjust the pieces, straighten the cards, um, you know, smack people or whatever I need to do to to make it stop. So Chris is right. If someone's telling me, so going back to the long turn example, let's say I was taking a long turn. And then Chris is like, Ryan, why don't you just do this, this, and this? It would tick me off so much. And I would probably intentionally take twice as long because I knew it annoyed Chris to kind of like get revenge for him doing that. So Chris, this is a weakness of mine that Chris exposed, which is (laughs) that I hate it when people tell me what to do on my turn. In a co-op game, I, I can understand it. If we're in like a normal strategy game where I'm competing against you and you're telling me what to do on my turn, it's like you don't think I'm smart enough to t- to take my own turn. So you have to help me out. And that drives me crazy. So it's definitely B. Don't tell me what to do on my turn. Yeah, okay. and the interesting thing about that, by the way, it's totally true, is <laughs> there's not a lot of people like that. It's an interesting quirk. And and I like that. I like you know like everybody having the same quirk. Like I think Tim, your your quirk is that you don't like when people go after you in a game. Yeah, yeah. Ryan's is he doesn't want people micromanaging him, and mine is the slow turns. 
So we're all, we all have different quirks that makes it interesting. And by the way, your question is a perfect segue to mine. Nice. <laughs> because I'm kind of touching on that. But I, that was very well worded. So my question for Ryan is, I have a question then a follow-up question because I, it's kind of a, I'm leading you toward an answer. Okay. You're railroading me? A little bit. Just right. a little bit. Socratic method. If we're playing a game and someone wants to take the game in a direction you don't agree with via suggestion and what you should do or things of that nature, do you feel that you'd rather A, tune them out or B, respond to them and politely explain why you don't agree with that idea? C, I would, in an annoyed voice, explain to them why I don't you agree. You have to choose one or the other. But if I you, wouldn't do either of those. You, you do, you, <laughs> you tune, the, the tune out thing is what you do first before you snap back. Well, how persistent are they? Just that it's the first time they do it and you won't respond. You'll Okay, because I don't think I ever politely tell people to stop telling me what to do with my turn. So I'll tune them out until I get annoyed, and then I'll annoyingly right. tell them to stop. So yeah, I guess it'd be that's, that's, tune them out. That's good. So, so am I following the really, railroad so far? Really the question is, is this. This is the follow-up question because that was sort of a setup based on, All right. on what Tim had asked. Do you feel that your need for like not listening to what people are telling you, does, does that clash? Explain how that clashes with your inability to play co-op games. Because you've expressed in several of our previous episodes how co-op games aren't your thing, kind of for this reason. Okay, so just so I understand the question, like, how does my... Explain the correlation between not enjoying co-op games and your inability to listen to people constructively when they are making suggestions or what you should do on your turn. So in co-op games, it's like, they're not just doing it to me, it's everyone's doing it to everyone. So it's exponentially worse. Because there's always like two people who think they have the right idea. So they're trying to force their ideas on each other. It annoys me when they do it to each other too, not just to me. It's a little worse when people do it to me. So yeah, it's like an exponentially bad problem in a co-op game. Now, if you throw in deck building, which is something I'm bad at into a co-op game and someone tells me what to do, then it's like the reason it's annoying to me is because I feel stupid. That's really what it is. It's like, I feel stupid, and they're exposing the fact that I'm stupid by telling me what to do on my turn. Because they, for, people can see what to do in the deck builder that I can't. I just cannot figure it out. And so that's being exposed, and it's, it's embarrassing to me that they're pointing out something that seems so obvious to them that I couldn't figure out, even though I've been staring at it for maybe like two or three minutes. So it's probably a pride issue. I don't like people telling me what to do because I don't like being exposed for looking stupid. Okay. And it's way worse than co-ops. So this is kind of this will kind of go back to a similar question we had for Chris, but so you're on a plane. <laughs> okay. Except yours crashes in the Arctic. All right. So what three games do you have in your backpack to pass the time while you're stranded there for ten years? And by the way, you forgot to pack a deck of cards. So three more games. <laughs> no cards. Okay. It would have to be games that had a lot of replayability. That that's really the the bottom line here. Yeah. So games have a lot of replayability, so games that have a lot of different strategies. One would be a game that I've just recently started liking called Russian Railroads. This is one that I want to bring bring to our Wednesday group. I've actually I mentioned the 10 by 10 challenge. I actually am signed up for that one too. And this is one of my games. It's like a heavy strategy game that I want to play 10 times this year. That's how much I like it. That game has a lot of different paths to winning. 
And so there's a lot to explore in the game. I think another one would be Caverna. Caverna, although it would be heavy in the backpack, yeah. you know, when you're on an, in the Arctic, although do we have like shelter? Well, yeah, you'd have to build an igloo <laughs> or something and, you know, have. I mean, that's not really conducive to. to board gaming. What you mean? You're huddled up, all trying to keep warm in the same place. Why not play a board game? You're all huddled together. Are the pieces going to get wet? No, you've got uh, plenty of saran wrap. You can protect everything. All right, because I don't want my games getting wet. Well, the good thing is Caverna, you'll take the first five years setting it up, so then you can play for the next five. <laughs> well, and I guess at no, least... play for the next three and then two years to break it down. <laughs> so, you know, it wouldn't matter, I guess, in that environment how long the setup was. It might actually be entertaining to set up a board game. If you're stranded in an That's igloo, true. In the for you, I would not doubt that. For Chris, I think he would drive. He'd, he'd go out and start ice fishing or something. Yeah. I'd be worried about the pieces getting wet, though. I might have to choose games that are like waterproof. But all, that aside, I would choose Caverna because kind of the same reasons. I think there's a lot of different strategies in that game. One difference in that game is there's no variability in the setup. Everything's always available, so maybe there isn't as much replayability as Russian Railroads. But uh, that's a game I want to explore. Maybe a third game for me would be a deck builder. Oh. I would have all the time in the world. You would. To figure it out. So I would I would bring in magic cards? I would probably choose Magic the Gathering. Oh. Even over an RPG. Yeah, because the RPG you don't need to bring anything. That's why I think that your answers were lame. You need you, you need you, to bring the you need system. Dice. No, you don't. You need dice. You can write you can you, you need could, dice. You could figure out another way to randomize battle. I don't think you need anything to do an RPG except a piece of paper and a pencil. Okay. Maybe. I think you need well, dice, but... You don't have a piece of paper and pencil unless well, you, you bring keep, it with you. keep your hit points with rocks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would choose Magic over an RPG because okay. I think you could play an RPG without having any of the components. Okay. Spoken like someone who's never DM'd. <laughs> All right. So... Going off the reservation a little bit here, what is your least favorite and most favorite physical feature about yourself? <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, getting to know him a little bit, right? There you right? go. That's, that's a good one. So I got kind of a big schnoz. <laughs> so that'd probably be my... I'm like, it's like almost a clinger, clinger schnoz, a little smaller than clinger. So, you know, the profile, it's not, it's not looking so hot from the side. Now... Ironically, <laughs> Esther likes the big schnoz. I'm talking about my nose, by the way. <laughs> so, so, so I'm okay with it, but that would be probably my least my uh, least favorite. I think my favorite is maybe uh, I'm like six foot tall. I think that's the perfect height. No taller than six foot is too tall, and I don't know who wants to be shorter than six foot. I think six foot. It, I have a, the ideal height, so okay. that'd be my my favorite. Good. Second would be my because my hair looks like the guy from Karate Kid. That might be my second, my second favorite, the Karate Kid hair. Johnny Lawrence. Johnny Lawrence. Yeah, anybody oh, who's seen yeah. the Karate Kid, Ryan looks like Johnny Lawrence. <laughs> Sweep the leg, Johnny. All right, favorite game theme. I would. I, it's this going to sound generic. I still like fantasy theme games. Ideally, I would want Euro games that have a fantasy theme. So Lords of Waterdeep is kind of like that, but there aren't that many games that are uh, fantasy-themed strategy games. I also, just in a generic way, I I like any kind of just unique theme that isn't done in other games. For example, Power Grid. Although that sounds boring, there's no other game about <laughs> powering you know, power stations or whatever that game is about. And so I, 
I find it, I like it when, when they take something unique like that and turn it into a game rather than having like the typical, I'm trading goods here and delivering them there. So those would be uh, probably my favorite types of, of themes. What is your favorite, what is your preferred apocalypse? Zombie, nuclear war, or alien takeover? Nuclear war. Wow. That would have been my least. Explain. Because yeah. it's, it's done. You don't even, it's like it happens and you're dead. It's not even really, there's no... There's no imminent threat. Yeah, there's no like struggling to kill zombies and find food or get like being probed by aliens and who knows what. So, you know, nuclear holocaust, you know, it's just one day you're watching TV, next morning you're dead. You know, there's no like long-term suffering. Well, in, in this example, you're surviving it. In other words, you know, like Walking Dead is the zombie apocalypse. Like Falling Skies would be like the alien invasion. Uh, or that new mo- that new show called Colony with the guy who played Sawyer from Lost. I don't know if you've seen yes. that. It's called uh, Colony. Is it good? It's actually not bad. It just started. Uh, I've watched a couple episodes. It's it, uh, not J.J. Abrams. It's uh, Carlton Cuse. Okay. So good writing. Girl from Walking Dead is on there. The one who played Rick Grimes' wife. And there's a couple other people. But in that in that show, it's not that there's been an apocalyptic event, but the aliens are sort of controlling. They've got like governors set up and... And stuff. So, for the purposes, of the, I don't want to get sidetracked too much on that. The purposes of the question, you're so, not dead in the nuclear. So, war. is it like Jericho? You have to survive. Yeah, what? like Jericho. Okay, exactly. So, I would, I would choose, I would still choose the nuclear holocaust because there's no like strange beings that we don't know anything about attacking us. You know, it's humans versus humans. You're rebuilding society, and there's a there's a hope for the future. Whereas you know, if aliens are taken over, we have no chance. I've seen all the movies about aliens. Aliens are always smarter than us. Although, remember, if I had a chance to ask an alien, I would ask them how to teach board games and make it fun. <laughs> but if we couldn't do that, I definitely don't want aliens taking over. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so kind of going on that crazy theme there. So it's probably going to be a short list to pick from you for this one, but... What would you consider your most memorable board game win? <laughs> Not including the video game story. Wow. I think this might be a, like the third variation of this question, and I probably don't even have three wins I can remember. That's why I figured it would be a short list. So I'm just going to go with the most recent one I had. I, I beat my friend Aaron in Russian Railroads, and he usually beats me in games. So I was pretty happy that I beat him. And, and I actually... It was, a, it was a good win because we both were doing the same strategy at the beginning, and I realized that he was doing better than me, and I could have just kept trying to do the same strategy as him, and I would have lost. So halfway through the game, I completely switched up my strategy and went, did something completely different and just happened to get ramp up and get enough points to, to beat him in the end. So nice. I was pretty happy with that. And past, beyond that, I really don't recall any victories at all. <laughs> so that would be the most that'd be the most the best for me. Okay, so this is another one of those multiple choice, but I want you to rank these five things. There's five, so but they're they're pretty easy. So rank these in, in favor of what is your favorite aspect of gaming. Like what brings you the most joy of these? Winning in a solo game, winning in a co-op game, click foria, laughing and having fun during a game, but it has nothing to do with the game. And lastly, enjoying everybody else enjoying the game because you introduced them to it. So to recap, winning solo, winning co-op, click foria, 
laughing but having nothing to do about the game and everybody else enjoying the game that you introduced them to. So when you say winning solo, you mean playing like a strategy the, the game. story you just told. Okay. At first I thought you meant playing like a solo game. So the fifth one is number one. Okay. I should have done these in reverse order. So everybody enjoying a game that you brought. Is yes. Your, that's the most rewarding thing. Because that's the thing I invest the most time in. So if that is successful, then like that's 90% that's of the hobby for me. It's interesting that that is more fun for you than winning at a game. So winning solo is probably second. Okay. Because it's few and far between for me. <laughs> and if I happen to pull off a win, especially against people who usually beat me, that's pretty rewarding. So I have to admit that I like that quite a bit. Winning co-op is probably third. Even over click for you? Yeah, because winning co-op is, again, everyone's having fun together if we win. So... The win is the best part about the co-op game. The okay. Ex- the experience itself, maybe not so much. Like the Pandemic Legacy game. Right. Although, yeah, we didn't have the issue in Pandemic Legacy, though, of like arguing. And like we were all kind of on the same page, so yeah. I didn't have any issues with that. I forgot. So Clickphoria and laughing, okay. uh, enjoying the company of everybody without it. A- Clickphoria is next. Okay. Just having fun is last. Yeah, because laughing and having fun, I mean. It's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, but for a game night, I don't. I, that's not the point of the game night, right? Yeah, and having fun. The joy fun. of dis, of understanding the strategy of a game is that's what it's all it's, about. Yeah, okay, it's better for me. So you've been banned from playing board games for the rest of your life. Ooh. What fills that void? <laughs> I think you rung his bell with that one. All all gaming, all gaming, or just board games. Well, board games, card games, yeah, that the whole gaming genre. Role playing, role playing still open because you don't consider that a board game. Well, I think we should rule that out because that's the obvious answer. Okay, we'll rule that one out too then. <laughs> I would probably try to learn how to speed cube. What? I would want to be a master speed cuber. Rubik's cube. Yeah, those guys who can solve Rubik's cubes in like five seconds. I would devote my time to figuring out how to do that. Wow. And that's I would expect it. That's yeah. So I would, I would go to ever. I would go to like champion. I would try to go to tournaments and be like the world speed cube champion. And then I would start a speed cubing podcast. You know what that means? And I would teach people that means how to speed he would cube. do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, if he's saying that he wanted to learn it, he would. Oh yeah. Well, I already have like a notebook I created where I I have drawn diagrams of how to solve a three by three, a normal Rubik's cube, a four by four, and a five by five Rubik's cube. I have diagrams that I've wow. created. Detailed, yeah, diagram. So I've uh, I've already started down the speed cube path. If I ever want to explore it further, interesting. Next question: Do you think you'll ever see a miracle equivalent to Esther marrying you? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a no, an emphatic no. That wasn't just a single miracle; it was, as Chris stated, a series of miracles. So <laughs> definitely not. There's no Good chance. Answer. No, I uh, I'm very blessed. Go to con food. Con food? Yeah. Go to con food is probably chicken nuggets. Oh, God. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. <laughs> no. Even well, after that experience? Not at that convention, well, but okay. I've had them at Gen Con and they're not bad. Okay. The Gen Con, if you're going to get the con food at Gen Con, chicken nuggets is the way to go. And they're really chicken strips. They're not like nuggets. Well, chicken pieces. Yeah. You know. I don't know what I don't know how they make those, but hundred percent meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or meat by products. Next question. 
What do you think of what's going on now in a lot of places where kids are getting trophies in sports even if they lose? Isn't this going to get people mad at me, like listeners? It's your opinion. Everybody's got one. Okay. It's just your opinion. Disclaimer. This is not the opinion of Out of Game Podcast. <laughs> All right. So participation trophies is what exactly. we're talking about. Yeah. I think they're st- stupid. Okay. When I was a kid, I had to earn my trophies. And then I didn't throw them away until maybe like five years ago because of how much effort it took for me to get them. You know, I look at my trophies and see first place. And I remember like the blood, sweat and tears it took for me to gain that trophy. Participation trophy. I mean, you know, when we leave tonight, I'm going to give you guys badges of participation for the podcast. Nice. You guys have earned it. And when we have the, when they do the Golden Geek Awards for best board game podcast, I think they should send us a trophy just for participating. Yeah, participation trophy. No, I think those are lame. Sorry, anyone who hands out participation trophies. I'm willing to change my mind if you send me a a rant email. No, he's not. Or or send him a participation trophy that he will recant his statement. Don't unsubscribe. (laughs) So in honor of the great groundhog, which is very much like reliving the day, you get a choice between three options of which day would you like to relive. Ooh, I like this. Option one, replay that epic Battlestar Galactica game that we have talked about. (laughs) Okay. All right. That's interesting. Do I get to change the outcome? You can try, but just like Bill Murray, it's it's still going to happen. There's there's nothing you can do about it. It's still going to happen. What's the inevitable thing that's going to happen, though? The epic... We're going to lose? No, no, no. This is the epic breakdown scream episode that destroyed Battlestar Galactica for I know, but if I'm recreating it, couldn't I take measures for that not to happen? You can try, but it just it happens. There's there's no there's But no in Groundhog Day, he was able to change the future a bit. A little bit, but it's still that that no matter how hard you try, that argument still happens. Alright, this is important to the to the answer. Okay. Number two. You have to play flux the whole game night. Six hours straight of flux. Oh, so these are three bad things. Yes. Okay. And number three, you have to explain Converna to Chris. <laughs> Play the game, <laughs> and then post. You got to play a, a game of Robo Rally with Chris. Oh my, oh my gosh, God. that's the best question of the night. So well it would be three, number three. Wow! Because I think, given the opportunity, I could make Caverna much more enjoyable, and I think Robo Rally we could just have fun making fun of the game the whole time. But like scenario two, playing Flux the whole night, that would be my second. I would never. In a million years, want to relive scenario one if it ended up in that argument. Which again. episode number did we dissect that? That was uh, that was the all things negative. Yeah, episode. So all things number. negative. That was episode seventeen. If anybody wants to listen to episode seventeen, it's quite interesting. Yeah, and so where we all we come clean. It's like our gaming confessional. Yeah, highly recommend that one. <laughs> Good question. Very nice. I think we kind of touched on this in one of Tim's questions, but what what is the most annoying thing that can happen during a game? The most annoying thing that could happen during a game would be somebody accidentally knocks the pieces off the board. So you have no idea what the state of the game was and, it have to, and you have to start over. Oh. That would be the most annoying thing that could happen. Think of that. That's, that's good. And there's some games where this is really easy to do. One of my favorite game seasons, there's a scoring track. It's a winding track, which is already annoying. And then it's very small, and you use little cubes, like normal-sized cubes, to keep the score. And if you just touch that board, all the cubes get jittered. They could go to the, the line above, the line below. Oh, man. You have no idea what the score is. Yeah. And you have to reset the game or just try to remember, and then you don't even know. So it's like a giant asterisk game. 
So yeah, okay. th- that would be it for me. I hate those giant asterisk games. Yeah. So you can acquire one skill <laughs> via the Matrix upload. What skill is that? Little eye flutters, blah, 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 and you got it 30 seconds later. Is it a gaming-related skill? Any skill. No, this is any skill. Investing. I would want to know how to invest like Warren Buffett. So that'd be like, you know, big hedge fund kind of scam investing or like real investing? No, real investing. I thought he was a real investor. I don't just... Warren Buffett. I, I would want to just know how to invest because, and, and here's the ultimate reason. I wouldn't want to like have like a big mansion or anything. So you can buy more games. I just want enough income that I don't have to work and then my gaming time increases exponentially. And, and you know, time to do other things like with the family and whatnot. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> On a side note. Okay. So... How much longer do you think the gaming obsession will last? I suspect that this is the hobby that's going to stick with me for my whole life. I have not felt any fatigue with the board game hobby, with the exception of the new game craze thing might die down, but I don't think playing games will ever, I'll ever lose interest in playing the games I have. I feel like one day, maybe the, the buying all the new hot games I might get tired of. But yeah, playing board games is something I've always loved. I was seeking out ever since my childhood, and it's like I finally discovered it, and there's no way I could ever go back to not playing. Nice. Favorite evil villain? Jacob's brother. See, evil? Wow! He's pretty evil. Yeah. No, the smoke monster. (laughs) The smoke monster. From Lost, yeah. He was cool. Didn't I see that coming? When he was played by John Locke. Yeah, he was a a good... No, I liked the other guy better. Really? John Locke was okay, but... I liked the guy who played the smoke monster. Titus Welliver. Yeah, okay. That's the actor's name. <laughs> okay. No, I think that was I've a, watched good, it a couple good times. villain. Good just villain. a few. Speaking of uh, Lost, what celebrities, just in general, any celebrities, what celebrities would you want to play a board game with and which game would you play? So you need to think of A, game, and B, which celebrity. And while you're thinking of that, would you sever your hand for a million dollars? No. For a million dollars? No. You could play games constantly. So? You don't have to work. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> would you? No. Okay. <laughs> You're making it sound like you would. Well, so the problem with this question is I don't know any celebrities. I don't know their names. Well, so you could say who. I'm going to have to say like. That's fine. Could it be characters or does that have to be the actual celebrity? Celebrity. Because I don't know anything about the celebrities. Like the characters is a different thing because the celebrities might be annoying in real life. Okay, fine. <laughs> they can be the characters. I would, I'm would. i going to go with characters because I, I find it more interesting and I think the listeners will relate more to the characters and the celebrities. Okay. Constantine, since we mentioned Jericho, Constantine, I think that was like the guy who was like the villain from the neighboring town. Oh, my gosh. I think his name was Constantine. I remember that. C- could you go a little vaguer? <laughs> Jericho's a great show. He was really, he was like a, a villain. So I'm... So there's a theme here. So Constantine. Okay. Bass from oh Revolution. My gosh. Okay. The governor from Walking Dead. Wow. Three they're three bad guys. All right. And also from Revolution, I actually can't remember what his name was in the show, but he was the guy who's in um Once Upon a Time that plays the mirror on the wall. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, Gus Spring from uh Breaking Bad. Gus, yeah. Actually, that's even better than the guy from Revolution. So I'll say Gus Spring. It's the same guy, kind of. Yeah. About it. So I would want to play that with them. So you picked three villains. Four. Didn't I pick four? And what are you, what are you playing with them? Probably Dead of Winter. 
denim winner because these are like guys who are versed in it's like the apocalypse mm-hmm. and they're they all have their own agendas so it'd be like a perfect game to play with them because they have the secret goal they're trying to come out on top they they make it seem like they're working with you and uh, it'd be just kind of interesting to see all of them interact with each other next question what board game do you want to be buried with does the box size have to be big enough, or we would have to get? Do like we have to bury? Do we? Would he have to be buried in a square box? He, <laughs> and he's curled up in a fetal position with a board game. Biblios. Why? Because it's my favorite game to play with Esther. Oh, that's sweet. So I'd choose that. Okay. Kind of winding down here. Out of game podcast has been growing pretty dramatically. What is your long term goal for this podcast? Honestly, my long-term goal for the podcast is that we don't, we never stray from the core of what makes this an interesting podcast for our listeners. I never want to change into something that we, that isn't really us because we think it might be more appealing. For example, we're, we're more focused on the discussions, but a lot of podcasts are focused on the games. And if we want that route, maybe, maybe we get more listeners, but I don't think for me, it wouldn't be as enjoyable because I think what we do now is the core of, of what makes us unique and entertaining. So I would just want to – the long-term goal is just continue what we're doing and hopefully always just have kind of this steady growth that we've been having. That's a good way to wrap it up. I think I'll leave that as the All last right. question. Nice. I didn't even sweat much. No, you did pretty no, well. Not too bad. You, you got your like long sweatshirt on there too, so it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess this wraps up. Another episode of Out of Game, episode 20. Episode 20. It's 20. a wrap. Now you've gotten to meet all three of us. Yeah. So the listeners know. Yeah, and just, you know, the reason we started this was because we kind of had an influx of listeners with joining the Dice Tower Network and then um, after the board game breakfast thing. And we wanted you guys to kind of get to know us a little better so that as we move forward to episode 21 and beyond, you know a little more where we're coming from and our different personalities. So... Episode 21, we're going to get back to a good old discussion topic that we've had on the list for quite some time. Which is? Cutthroat versus Kingmaker. Cutthroat versus Kingmaker. Yeah, we have. It's a good thing to circle back to that. I'm looking forward to that. So it's some confusing terminology that Chris has used for 20 episodes, and it's (laughs) finally going to be time to clarify it. It's not the first time. So next episode, look forward to that. But until then, you can find us on outofgamepodcast.com. You can join our guild, Guild 1990. There's a link to it. Find us on... Twitter, Facebook, or Stitcher at OOG Podcast. Oh, Tim beats you to the punch. You can leave us a voicemail at 40-OOG-OOG-80. And for more great podcasts of the Dice Tower Network, go to DiceTowerNetwork.com. You can also email us at AutoGamePodcast at gmail.com. And please do. Many of you have. That is all for now. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. I'm going to switch my chair now. Pause. Why are you switching your chair? My chair is squeaking every time I move. You have to explain Converna to Chris. (laughs) Play the game. (laughs) (laughs) And then post, you got to play a game of Robo Rally with Chris. Oh, my My gosh. That's the best question of the night.